But we're so thankful for the presence of the Lord this morning, aren't you? Wow, what an awesome time we've had already. And I believe the Lord wants to say something and he wants to do something in this place today. We've been praying for you. You know, we pray in here during the week. Uh, we pray, come together and come in the sanctuary and pray. Um, we, we invite the presence of the Spirit and we take authority over the enemy. He has no place in this room. And we set an atmosphere in the Spirit every week. We take what we do very serious um, because we believe that we're serving the kingdom of heaven. And he said, be diligent and be faithful in the little things. And everything we do, I consider to be a big thing. <laughs> um, because you are important to God. You are important to God. And you're uh, serving, you're growing, you're becoming a part of uh, the body of Christ. Being a part of the body of Christ is important to us. And it's important for us to be able to impart the heart of God the best way we can through the grace and the mercy of God and with humility. So I stand before you today by the mercy and the grace of God and humbly um, presenting the word to you. Uh, I, heard a, I heard a quote. It said, um, God saw fit to give, allow the woman to carry the living word, but yet man sometimes doesn't see it fit for the woman to carry the written word. And I thought, whoa. That's really a hard one to swallow. But I know you all here are open to receive whatever vessel is in front of you because the word of God says that we are anointed for such a time as this, that he will anoint his sons and his daughters. He will give dreams and, and visions, and not one of us are omitted from that. Amen? We all qualify when we have Jesus in our heart. But, so praise the Lord. I am blessed with three wonderful uh, kids. Won't you stand? Hayden is my, my firstborn. And Hunter is my lastborn. And then we have a daughter in between, uh, Haley, Haley Noel. She was born Christmas Day after we lost a baby at 16 weeks. And she's my rainbow baby. She was born Christmas. She was my, my gift. And uh, so I have nicknames for each of them. Hayden is my treasure because there's lots of gold on the inside of him. And Hunter is my prize. I just didn't ask. I just got a prize. He just came. And Haley is my gift because she came on Christmas Day. So uh, their, their names pop up on the phone. That's their names. So aren't you thankful that God probably has pet names for us too? Have you ever thought of that? He probably does. He probably has a pet name for us. So I want to encourage you to set your faith out this morning to receive from the word. You know, you won't receive anything from the word. It won't do any good to you unless you have faith to receive it this morning. You can hear the word, but it's just going to fall on the ground if you're not having ears to hear and determined to hear something that's going to make a change and a difference in your life. Amen? The Holy Spirit is the teacher here. I'm not the teacher. He is. And he has the ability to say things that I don't say and can't say. And he has the ability to get things to you through me and through the people ar around you. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. So uh, uh, before I start, let me just uh, do this real quick too. I had a few little mom things just to, we got to honor the moms as much as possible, you know. So... These are a few little quotes. They're not the same ones as I've done for the past 10 years <laughs> or five years, whatever. This one is, uh, is funny, and maybe you can relate. Sometimes I open my mouth and my mother comes out. 
How many can say that? The most remarkable thing about my mother is that for 30 years, she served the family nothing but leftovers. The original meal has never been found. <laughs> most mothers are instinctive philosophers. And my boys would probably say, yes. The quickest way for a parent to get a child's attention is to sit down and look comfortable. That's true. Over the years, I have learned that motherhood is much like an austere religious order, the joining of which obligates one to relinquish all claims to personal possessions. <laughs> no personal possessions allowed. I want my children to have all the things I could have, couldn't afford, and then I'm going to move in with them. <laughs> get ready, boys. Silence is golden unless you have kids. Then silence is just suspicious. Mom, I love you and your super long voicemails. I don't leave voicemails. My boys, super long texts. Every day I wake up and think, how on earth did I become this much like my mother? <laughs> Sometimes it's true. Uh, it's not easy being a mom. If it were easy, fathers would do it. The majority of my diet is made up of foods that my kids did not finish. My mother's menu consisted of two choices, take it or leave it. <laughs> when your mother asks, do you want a piece of advice? It's a mere formality. It doesn't matter if you answer yes or no, you're going to get it anyways, right, Aiden? <laughs> so I, I just thought those were funny. Praise the Lord. So I have prepared, I have prepared for the last two or three days. And this morning, I'm like, Lord, I just, I couldn't hardly sleep. I went to bed about one this morning, and I just have been wrestling and wrestling with some things that have been in my spirit. And ever since Thursday, just, you know, like I said, when we prayed, the spirit of intercession just fell on me and, and our group. And um, I just saw some things in the spirit that have changed my heart. And I'm um, trying to get through it, sorry. Um, how many know you're running a race? And as we were praying earlier before the service, how many have ever bought a pair of tennis shoes? You go to uh, Academy and you go look through the tennis shoes and they say this tennis shoe is for playing tennis, this tennis shoe is for walking, this tennis shoe is for, I don't know, basketball, this tennis shoe. There's different kinds of tennis shoes. Hunter has on a pair of, what are they called? Converse. Those are a kind of shoe. Hayden, what kind do you have on? Adidas, are those running shoes? No. Anybody else have tennis shoes? Women are wearing tennis shoes now with dresses. I can't do it. I'm, I'm an 80s girl. I know it's a thing, but I can't do it. But there's different kinds of shoes, tennis shoes. And I was going to have a whole display of shoes because I have lots. I have a plethora of shoes. And I was going to just kind of give you an illustration. But um, the Lord was really speaking to me Thursday saying, I, I, it was like I could, I could see and hear the people in, in the grandstands of heaven cheering us on. People that have gone before us saying, keep running, keep running, keep running. The race is not finished. And this morning when we were praying, the Lord was showing me those shoes. And he said, there are people here that have different kinds of shoes on. Um, my husband used to do roofing before the boys started, and he had a pair of roofing shoes. They were called Paws, Cougar Paws, something like that. And the, they were real expensive, and you had like a felt bottom that you could replace sponge so that it you stick, Velcro, you stick to the, to the roof. You don't slide around. 
um, scary, scary every time, praying over him every time he got on the roof. But those were specific kinds of shoes for a specific type of job. You get what I'm saying? Uh, I wouldn't run in these shoes. These have a little bit of a heel. Um, but the Lord was saying, it's time to put your running shoes on. He said, it's, there's no more time to waste with all these other kinds of shoes. You know, there's, there's, there's time is short. And what I saw in my spirit in, in prayer was I saw hell and I saw people dying. And as I saw these people dying and crying out for, for help, they were saying, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you help me? We, the church, have the answer. And while I was hearing and seeing these people crying out for help, I heard all this church chatter above criticisms and judgments and accusations and offenses and things that are just being thrown. And it's, it's really just a spirit of the world that's gotten into the church. And I want to charge you, this is not to come down on us today, but this is a charge for us to realize how short our time is. And I want to say to you, it's time to run your race. It's time to pick up the pace. And it's time to do what God's called you to do. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter what your physical ability is. You have an ability in the spirit realm that you can make a change and you can make a difference. Amen? Do you believe that? Even if it's through prayer, and I say even if, that's the most important. We can't do anything without prayer. It's the backbone to who we are. It sets the course. It's like the track, laying out the track for a train. It can't go anywhere unless we have prayer. I hope you're praying. I hope you're seeking his face. I hope you're in his presence daily. I hope you're asking him, what do you want me to do today, God? Because the thing is, is the world is so caught up, and there's scripture that verifies this that talks about in the last days, many will be lovers of themselves. I see that in the church. Jesus gave his life. He was not thinking about himself. He was thinking about you and me. And he said, in the garden, he prayed, Father, let this cup pass from me, but your will be done. There's some things that I do that I don't really want to do, but I keep telling him, your will be done. Not my will, but your will, God. And so my heart is, and I don't want this to be a heavy again. I want this to, for, to encourage us and to push us to say, God, what is your plan for my life? What is your will for my life? What do I need to be doing right now for the kingdom? Because guess what? We're close to the eastern sky being split, and we're out of here. The word says, in the twinkling of an eye, we'll all be gone. In the twinkling of an eye. And not a lot of places teach on hell. But yeah, I'm going to talk about hell today, because hell is a real place, and heaven is a real place you know, when we experience a death or someone passing away in our family, it becomes like really real. 
And the hope that we have when people pass, if they've accepted Christ in their life, is that we're going to see them again. And that is the hope of glory that we have, that we'll see and be with our loved ones once again. But there are some of my loved ones that don't live for Jesus and have not accepted him as their Lord. They are their own Lord. And you being your own Lord is a God. And the word says that you cannot have any other gods before him. No other gods before him. This was not in my notes, but I just go in here. <laughs> I want to encourage us right now. There is a path, a narrow, fine path. And the world is, yes, it's getting darker. I mean, we were told that in the scriptures. The world is evil. There's lots of things going on. And we come here and we hear the word of God and we, we get built up and then we go out. What do we do with it? You know, our theme, our, our mission here is gather. We gather together so we can be encouraged. We can hear the word of God. We can be equipped, the word of God says in Ephesians, that the equipping of the saints. We come together to be equipped. We gather. We grow we grow together in unity. We grow together in love. I wouldn't need love if I didn't have somebody that tempted me to not love. I wouldn't, I wouldn't need the fruit of the Spirit if I didn't have people around me. You all are here to help me walk in love. Not to push me away and to get mad at me, but to help each other walk in love. Do you see what I'm saying? We don't just get mad and say, forget it, you're not my friend anymore. You're not my brother. No. My family is my family from the day I'm born to the day I die. And they stick with me. They love me in spite of me sometimes. It's probably the same for you. It's the same with the body of Christ. We are here to love each other, to encourage one another, to say, go, run your race. Run your race. If you get down, if you're depressed, if you're feeling like something is pushing you out off of the race, off of the road, I'm here to tell you, pick it up. Let me be honest with you. Let me tell you the areas that I see, and I'm speaking the truth in love, the areas that I see that need adjusting in your life so that you can put your shoes back on and run your race. Don't get offended at me if I'm trying to help you. I'm here to help you. The Word of God says that he corrects and disciplines the ones he loves. If I never loved my kids, if I never corrected them, I would never, I would never show any love to them. I just let them do whatever they want to do. Love helps, it corrects, it guides, it disciplines. And we're to live a disciplined life before him. I know the world, the world is busy. I know life is busy. I know things are consuming. That's exactly what the enemy has planned. It's exactly what the enemy has planned for us, to get us diverted, distracted, offended, and off course. Judgmental, critical, where we're not looking at each other anymore as brothers and sisters, embracing one another, saying, let's do this together. Let's do what God's called us to do. No, it's drive through McDonald's. I didn't get my hamburger, and I'm never going back there again. You know what I'm saying? Let's not be offended at one another. Let's love and encourage one another. Let's, that's supposed to be stay the course. It says stay the course. Stay the course. We're to stay the course. How do we stay the course? There's guidelines on each side of the race. 
Do you ever see a runner stop in the middle when he's trying to achieve a goal? The only time he stops, if you'll look, is to go off to the side real quick and grab a drink. Maybe they, I don't know if they eat a granola bar or whatever, just to keep their stamina, but they grab a drink. And that's something that I saw in prayer. It was like the Lord was saying, run your race. Stop to get a drink. The word of God is our drink. The presence of God is our drink. It's our living water. The living water. You can't live without water. You can't live without the word of God. Because guess what? I'm going to talk about the devil. You have an enemy. You have an enemy. What do sports players do when they're preparing to, to play their enemy or the opposing team? I've never been in a football team, of course, but I've seen and heard and watched movies where they all get together, they huddle together, and they watch videos of how the, the opposing team works. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? How can, how can we work around them? How can we win this game? I think the same thing probably happens with our military. They find out how the enemy works. Anybody testify to that? They find out what their weaknesses, what their strengths are. They find out how they manipulate and how they work. Guess what? We have an enemy. He's watching. He's listening. He's waiting for you to fall into his trap. The word of God says in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says that there is an enemy. And he's seeking whom he may. He may. Not he will, but he may devour. He may devour you if you give in to his ways. I'm way ahead of myself. Let's look at the first scripture. Matthew. How many know the story of the wheat and the chaff? Tears. Chaff. Um, I was looking at this. Can you show that picture, one of the pictures for me? Interestingly enough, let go to the next one. Can you guys read it? Can you see it? So this is the wheat and these are the tares. You, can you rec do you see a difference? Only in the color. Is there another picture? The tares look identical to the wheat. So let me get to my notes here. This story talks about how Jesus, he's telling this parable, and, and this was right after he told the parable of the sower. And he's saying this. He says, he put another parable before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Notice, the farmer sowed the seed, but who came in and sowed the enemy, the enemy came in and sowed. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And when the servant of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, as enemy, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest and at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds together and bind them in bundles to be burned. 
but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, on down in, in, I don't know if I put the scripture in there, but it's in verses 37 through 43. Jesus is explaining, he who sows the, the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is at the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. How many believe we are close to the end of the age? The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out his kingdom all things that offend. All things that practice, all those who practice lawlessness, those who impersonate the real thing. He will cast them into the furnace of fire, and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Wailing and gnashing of teeth. We can't even comprehend this. We don't even know what wailing and gnashing of teeth are. Braden asked me one time, my grandson asked me, what is hell like? I said, all I know is what the word says. And there, it says that there'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And that it will be a godless place. Eternal damnation, eternal burning. Et can you imagine? Right now we feel okay on the inside because... We're sitting here, we can feel the presence of God. But have you ever felt just desolate, like empty, like maybe before you were saved, without God, that feeling of desperation, anxiety, fear, dominated, before you asked Jesus into your heart to be Lord, that feeling of, oh my Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do. How many have ever felt, it's okay to say yes, I have felt that. In recent times, I have felt that, and the Lord spoke to me. He said that you're feeling that feeling because that's how people feel without God. And that's what it's going to be like for eternal, eternity without him, is that feeling of desperation and, and, and regret that we didn't accept him. They didn't accept him. So God has a field. It's defined here as the entire world. There's a divine meaning and a purpose being worked out here. God is guiding history and mankind to the end that will fulfill his purpose. There's a scripture in Titus. I didn't put it in. Titus 1.16. It says, they profess to know God, but in works they deny him. Being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. There are those who profess to know him, but they are disqualified by their actions. Now, I, I'm not here to define what the tares are. The, the Word of God tells us what the tares are. But I do believe that the enemy can come in and we can be professing that we're Christians. But the Word of God says that we're to judge the fruit. We don't judge people, but we do judge the fruit. And what is the fruit in our lives? If we're Christians, if we love God, we should be loving to each other. And that's a whole other the teaching, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind, never looks at a suffered wrong, love always believes the best, it's never looking backward, always looking forward, always forgiving. We're loving, we're kind, we're peaceful. Peaceful, that's a fruit. We're joyful. Is there joy evident in your life? These are fruits. This is a manifestation of the Spirit of God in your life. Do you have these things coming out of you? Because I would say if they're not coming out of you, then maybe you need to spend some time with the one who is able to develop that on the inside of you. If you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, there should be evidence. Evidence. 
of who he is on the inside of you. It should show on your face. It should show in your neighborhood. It should show to the people around you. When people say your name, they should say, oh, I love being with them because they're so wonderful because all they can talk about is the goodness of God. There's a delight to be with. Pastor Steve spoke last week on delighting in the Lord. If we're delighting in the Lord, we should be a delight to others. I would question you, how much are you delighting in the Lord? How much are you spending time with him? How much are you spending time in the word? I'm here to prompt you. I'm here to poke at you. I'm here to say, put your running shoes on because we have a race to finish and we're not done. Notice that scripture says that while they were sleeping, the enemy came in. The church is asleep, y'all. We've got to wake up. This place should be full of people, full of people that are just longing to know God, full of people who need the Holy Ghost in their life because we carry the change. We carry the hope. We carry the glory of God. We're carriers of his glory. Pastor Steve and I, every Monday morning, we talk to one another about our service and how we can make things better and how we can do things to bring change. It's not up to us, I know, but we are the carrier. We're the newspaper deliverers. We deliver it to you. And, and there's, a good, there's a good part of assessing things, and then there can be a bad part, too. We have to stay away from that. But there's a part of us that our heart is longing just to always present the Word of God in excellence because our heart is loyal Our heart is loyal to the presence of God. Our heart is loyal to the word of God. Our heart is loyal to be deliverers of the glory. Our hearts need to be loyal to him. Our hearts need to be loyal to the word of God to give it to people. We cannot be self-consumed because we fall into that place of the tares. One thing I noticed in studying about this is the tares develop fruit it's a seed that's black and that seed is poisonous and it causes nausea and dizziness confusion and the wheat produces the seed that's productive and useful notice he said in the scripture don't pluck it out because if you pull it out the roots will come out with it wait till it matures Are you maturing in Christ? Are you, are you in a place where, I'm not saying you're spiritually self-righteous, that you know more than everybody. I'm not saying that. That's, that's a spirit. I'm saying, are you developing your heart before him? Are you wanting more? Are you hungering and thirsting after righteousness? Can you just can't wait to be here in the presence of God with other believers because there's a place of unity, there's a place of safety, there's a place where you've, You've been like, God, I got to get to your presence. Like David said, it doesn't matter what else is going on. I got to run into your presence. There's a developing in your spirit that takes place when you are, you can't live without him. That's a mature, a mature stance in his presence. And one thing I notice with the wheat and the tear is the wheat as it develops and it matures, it bows. It's in a stance of humility. The tear stands straight up. 
full of pride. Self-righteous. Without God. I'm not, again, I'm not here to, to bring condemnation. I'm here to present the word because this is what the word of God says. Right? And we need to be aware of our enemy and our enemy's devices. The enemy is not a know-it-all. He is a defeated foe. Jesus made a display of him, and he took the keys, and he gave them to us. And he is no longer a threat to us. We give him too much glory, talking about attacks, and, and I'm under this, and I'm under that. No, he's under my feet. Keep him there. The word says in Psalms that says he prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies because he anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. You know why your head is anointed with oil? Because that's where the battlefield is. You've got to have the oil of the Holy Ghost to make it through some things. I don't know about you, but I've been I've been I've had some temptation to think some things other than what the word of God says about me. How many have been tempted? We all are. You know how the devil knows how to attack, if you will, your life? How to get in? By what you say, what you do, and your response to his actions in your life. Look, the word says that there are devices, devices. I'm sure with hunting that there are some devices to use, traps, to trap game and whatever else. There are traps, right? Hunting, I don't know. What is it? Hog traps, all kinds of traps. The enemy is looking. He, he's not all-knowing, but he is sly. He is sly. God is all-knowing. He knows everything about your life. He has a plan, and we're going to talk about that too. But the enemy is responding to what you're saying, what you're doing, and your response. How many have ever had somebody say something to you just to make you flipping mad? <laughs> just, just knock you off your course? I have found that um, as a, a teacher, pastor, worship, worshiper, in the past, how many years we've been doing this, the enemy likes to bring things my way when I'm in the car on the way. Somebody will text me something. Oh, man. Please don't text me before service. <laughs> that, nothing bad. Uh, and it just sends me. I, I'm like, mm. okay, Lord, I'm going to have to give this to you. And it's usually especially before I have to teach or lead or do something. And he knows, the enemy knows what gets my goat. The enemy knows what is going to get you. He knows what upsets you. He knows what's going to deflate your heart. He knows where to get in and make the dig. He knows because you have opened your mouth after it happened and said, they made me so mad, I can't stand this anymore. You responded. Devil said, ooh, make a note. That made her mad. Let's do that again. Let's come in with cohorts and do it even worse. Do you know how do you walk in success and victory when nothing touches this? Can't touch this. I'm so, and I say this respectfully and in humility, I am mature 
and developed in my spirit to recognize the enemy and to put a hand in front and say, don't talk to me. Not to people, but I'm just saying, in the spirit, I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening. It's like Jesus. He despised the shame. Like my husband's always saying, we got to despise this when things come our way. We can't look at it anymore. Looking away to the author and the finisher of our faith. What upsets you and you talk about it and you boast about it and you magnify it and you give it place when you magnify it? I said you give it place and then you take it in into your mind and you start meditating. What you take into your mind is what you take into your life. If you allow it to replay, keep meditating on it, focusing on how bad you were treated, how, how much people did wrong to you. All of a sudden, the devil will come up and say, see, I told you, this is the way they are, and this is the way you are. And then he starts developing a whole thing about who you, he thinks you are, and it's not who you are. And you start thinking, yeah, that's true. That's how I am. That's, that's just my personality. That's how God made me. That's a big fat lie. You're a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And one scripture even talks about even your personality has changed in the Amplified. Right? So, Psalm 2711 says, Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain and even path. Do you know he has a plain and even path for you? Because of my enemies, those who lie in wait for me, teach me, this is saying, teach me your ways because there's an enemy that's lying in wait for me. The Hebrew says, because of those who observe me. Now, I'm not talking about flesh and blood. The word says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Right? You all know that scripture. I have it in there somewhere. We wrestle against uh, principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness. And boy, howdy, are there some major rulers of the darkness right now. Because there's a major evil covering right now that's over our nation and it's affecting our lives. All the things that are being allowed and developed in our nation is another open door to the devil. You don't believe me? Look at the Grammys. Y'all know what happened at the Grammys. Somebody dressed up like the devil himself and all the cohorts behind like Satan worshipers and CBS says, let's worship the devil. What? That used to not be. It's the wheat and the tares, although that one you can de definitely identify is different. But they're developing together. We have to be wise and knowing what God's called us to do and be in this hour. It's not easy. Did you know when you, when you, if you became born again, if everyone here is a Christian, and I believe in everybody's accepted Christ into your life, and you've proclaimed him as your Lord, you know when you signed up, you signed up for a battle. You signed up for a fight. It's a good fight. It's a fight of faith because we win. We know the end of the story. But you signed up for a fight. And if you think you're going to lay back and be uh, lackadaisical about your walk with the Lord, you are fooled. You're probably going from one, one episode to the other because you've got to be aware how to fight back. Go to the next 
You can continue on. Go to the next one. The devil is listening. He's watching your words. He's watching your actions. He's watching your responses. And it's a detour from God's plan. And I want to encourage you, if you've been on a detour up to now, if, you've, if there's some things in your life that you recognize that it's not been God's plan for your life, hey, today's a new day. His mercies are new every morning. Today is a day for us to say, Jesus, be Lord of all. Amen? So the devil is listening. He's watching. He's listening for what you're going to say. And those are the open doors. I want to encourage you today, shut the door of the devil. Do you all remember that song that was out in the 90s? Shut the door, keep out the devil. Shut the door, keep the devil in the night. Shut the door, keep out the devil. Light the candle, everything's all right. You remember that? Anybody? There's truth to that. How do we open the door to the devil? What's coming in our eye gate? What's coming in our ear gate? What we're saying? What we're professing about our life? I don't care. You can be in the worst, most awful situation ever, and God can turn it around and change your life. If you will hook up what the Word of God says about who you are, who, what, who you are in Christ, what the Word says you can do, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. There's a greater power on the inside of you than you're recognizing. But if you're opening the door, again, to the enemy, he has a way in. Our safety is on the paths of God. The enemy is waiting for you to step onto his territory to attack you. He will do all kinds of things to distract us and to pull us off this course. Outside of the place of God's place, he will try to distract us so that we can't receive from God. If someone here has been saying, I've been struggling, I've been believing God, and I'm not seeing the answer, I'm not seeing some things change, I want to just say, check your heart. Check what you've been allowing in your life. Check what you've been talking about. Check what you've been talking about. How much glory. Check who you've been talking about. Are you talking about your neighbor? Check your fruit. A tree, I heard this, somebody said this, a tree doesn't have eyes, it just has roots, but it produces fruit. It has deep roots. If your roots are deep in the word of God and the truth of the word, you will produce fruit. Fruit will just pop out. I like what Joyce Meyer says, have you ever seen a, a fruit tree struggling to push out the fruit? <laughs> There's no struggle. It just pops out. It just comes out because it's deeply rooted in the Word of God. It's deeply rooted and planted, and the fruit just pops out. How does the enemy know the strategies to attack us? <clears throat> when we show weaknesses, he knows. If we talk words against God's Word, he offers thoughts. And do they find their way into our words? He offers those thoughts. Are they finding their way into your words? Your words are setting the course. He's a great presenter. He is not an originator. He is only an imitator. God is the originator of all things. The word says that the Lord, God, watches over his word to perform it in our life. God is a performer. He wants to perform things. The Holy Spirit is a performer. He wants to do things above and beyond what you could even ask or think. But the devil is a presenter. He will present a lie. He will say, you can't do that. 
you're not big enough, you're not great enough, you're not smart enough, you're not able. That's not your personality. Somebody else is better at you than at this than you are. He presents that lie. Instead, we need to cover ourselves with the Word of God, and the Word of God, where the Holy Spirit is watching over. He's hovering like he did in Genesis 1. He was hovering over the earth, brooding over the earth. As soon as God said something, the Holy Spirit was on it. He did it. Let there be light. And there was. What are you saying about your life? Let there be joy. Let there be peace. Let there be healing in my life. Let there be soundness of mind. Let there be direction. Let there be prosperity. Yes, he wants us to prosper. Let there be an abundant supply. Let there be a way where it seems like there is no way. Let there be the desires of my heart. What you're watching over with your mind and with your words is what is going to manifest in your life. Amen? He knows what he knows by your actions, your responses, and your words. Let's look at uh, Philippians 1.28. I'm going to skip through a little bit. Philippians 1.28. How many know this book, Philippians? It was written by Paul. Do you guys know where Paul was when he wrote this book? Huh? Prison. He was in prison. I don't think that prison was like our prisons are today. I think those prisons were much, much worse than our prisons are today. I don't know. There might be some things, you know, but just the conditions. Uh, we are told that when Paul and Silas were in that prison, that they were knee-high in sewage, and their hands were bound, and they sang praises to God. The one thing that was not bound was their mouth, and that was the one thing that enabled them to be set free, because you all know the rest of the story. As they sang praises to God, those chains were mo removed, and they were set free. An angel took them out, and a whole household was saved because of Philippians 1.28, and do not for a moment, for a moment, anything longer than a moment is too long. Not for a moment are we going to be, by money, by fear, by bad report, by people's actions, by circumstances, it's not an option. We're not going to be frightened, and we're not going to be intimidated in anything, not one moment. Not by your opponents and your adversaries. For such constancy, what's another word for constancy? Consistency. Consistency and fearlessness will be a clear sign and proof and seal to them of their impending destruction. Think about the devil, how much he's come against you. Things that have intimidated you, brought fear, uh, frustrated you. Things that have just haven't been right. The Word of God tells us what to do with it here. It says, not for one moment are you to be intimidated or fearful. Not for one moment are you to be frightened by your opponent. Who's your opponent? The enemy. The enemy. The devil. The devil. Not people. We know that the enemy works through people. But we take authority over the enemy. We come against the enemy. It's a clear sign to them of their impending destruction, but a sure token and evidence of your deliverance and salvation, and that's from God. 
It's a sign of my salvation. It's a sign when I'm not moved. When the devil comes at you with fear and intimidation, you're never going to get this. It's too big for God. That is too expensive. There is no way. You don't deserve it. Somebody else might deserve it. But you, let me just tell you, don't you be intimidated. Don't you be fearful. Don't you back off from what you know. Don't you, if it's in your heart, then all things are possible to him who believes. Amen? God permits what we permit. We have authority over the enemy. The more consistent we are, the quicker our answers will come. You have to hover over your words and hover over the word in your life and continue. There's a power that's released with your faith. Faith gives action to the power. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. There's some things that I'm hoping for. I haven't seen them yet. But faith is allowing me to reach into the spirit realm and say, that's mine. It's mine. There's things I'm believing God for, for my children, all of them. And I've reached into the spirit realm and I've said, that's mine. I'm a mom. <laughs> You're not going to touch my kids. I like what Zach said. He said, when the, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you remind me of my um, drill sergeant. I was like, that's mom. That's a mom anointing. You can't touch my kids. But if we can have that same uh, fervency in the spirit to reach in and say, this is mine. I'm not backing down. I'm running this race. I've got my running shoes on. I know what the word of God says that I can have. I know what the word of God says who I am. I know what I can have, and I'm going to have it in Jesus' name. I'm going to have it. Don't back down. Be active about your faith. Don't be complacent. Don't lay back in the chair and say, case of Ross or Raw, whatever will be, will be. Doris Day didn't know what she was talking about. She probably didn't receive anything from God because she was so complacent. Complacency will get you nothing. Nothing. You have to be tenacious about what God's put on your heart and in your heart. Tenacious about your dreams. Tenacious about the prophetic words that have been spoken over your life. Grab a hold of them by faith. And like my brother-in-law says, what does he say about grab a hold of faith, swing out over hell, when you're full of faith, makes you want to grab a hold of a corn stalk, swing over hell, and spit in the devil's eye. <laughs> grab a hold of your faith. Grab a hold of a corn stalk. Swing out over hell and spit in the devil's eye and say, it's mine. You can't have it. It's yours, Erica. You're not going to have it. The devil's not going to have it. You're going to have it, Right? So the more consistent we are, the quicker the answers come. What we take to our thought life is what we take into our life. What are you meditating on? Your, your choice of meditation is your choice of worship. Worship the answer, not the problem. Meditate on the answer, not the problem. Meditate on God's goodness. If you can't think of anything else, meditate on God's love for you. Meditate on who you are in Christ. When you find out who you are in Christ, all things are possible. Watch out, devil. She's gotten out of bed and her feet have hit the floor. You are my enemy, the devil, right? 
So if we replay it in our mind, we give place to it. The word says, give the devil no place. Resist him and he will flee. The one translation says he will run in terror. How do we resist the devil? Can anybody tell me? How do you resist the devil when he comes at you with a thought in your mind? What do you do? You speak the word. So if the devil comes at your, your thought life about you're an idiot, you, you've messed up your life, it's too late, I don't care, you're never going to be able to deserve anything better than this, what do you say? I resist you, devil. You have no place in my life. God says this. What are his promises? Find out what his promises are according to what you're believing God for. And the word says all of his promises are yes and amen. Don't wait on God to do anything else. He's already done everything he can do. He's made it all available through the cross and through the resurrection of Jesus. It's all here. He's given us his name. He's given up his, his blood. He's given us his word. We have the authority. We have the power. The waiting is the waiting that we do in his presence to regain our strength and our confidence. We're exchanging the weakness for his strength. That's all waiting is for. The waiting is for a, a transfusion of his goodness into your life. That's what waiting is for. Waiting is not waiting on the situation. Now, I know there's a process. Some things are miracle, which is instant. Some things are a process. And in that process, what are you doing? What are you doing during the process? Oh, I'm just waiting. What's your mouth doing? Someday, someday I'll see the manifestation. And in the meantime, the devil's coming and bringing you some thoughts about you're waiting too long. This is never going to happen. God's never going to send the spouse. God's never going to send the money. God's never going to give you that house. In the meantime, you're sitting there and all these thoughts are coming. Where should your mouth be? Where should your thought life be? It should be in the word of God, reminding him of what he said about, his, about the promises, about what he's promised you. It's, you should be reminding him, Lord, you said this. I'm reminding you. The word says to remind him of his word. Remind me. Bring to my remembrance. What did you say? You said I'm the healed. You said that by the stripes of Jesus, you took all pain, all infirmity, all sickness, and you even took on the, with that cross or with that a crown of thorns that was placed on your head, you even took on my peace. You gave me peace through what you took on the cross. Don't let him intimidate you. That's what this scripture says. Intimidation will keep you from your manifestation. Intimidation will keep you from your manifestation. Do not back down. Run your race. Keep your shoes on. With consistency lies the victory. That was said by Gloria Copeland. With consistency lies the victory. We have to be consistent with the word of God. Amen. If you're consistent to supply the need for your bills, for your house, then it enables you to stay in that house, right? If I'm consistent with my water bill and my electric bill, then it enables me to enjoy those things. How is it any different with God and the things of the Spirit? We have to be consistent 
with what we're believing for. Because when we release our faith for something, that power is moving. It's moving. And when we stop praising, when we stop worshiping, when we start looking at the problem and the situation, instead of saying, thank you, Jesus. So your praise is fueling the power of God in your life. That's why when we come in here, we're not trying to cheerlead. We're trying to get you to lift your hands. We're trying to get you to say something because all these songs are, are a declaration of God's goodness. We sang one song that kept saying, God is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. And I'm looking out thinking, are we saying this about our God? Are we believing this about our God? He's faithful. We're making a declaration of faith. And in, in that declaration of faith is a release, a fueling of the power of God working for you. If you don't ever say anything, there's no fuel being pushed out. And your faith is resonant on the inside, but it's not going anywhere. Your faith is here. I know people that have sat under the word of God and could quote the word left and right. But they don't do anything with it. Faith without works is. It's not that we're being legalistic about what we believe. But you got to do something with what you have. The way you even came into knowing Christ is you believed in your heart and you did something. You confessed with your mouth that he is Lord. And if you haven't done that today, we can help you with that. You believe in your heart. And you confess with your mouth that he is Lord. And from this day forward, you become a new creature in Christ. All your past is in the past. It's in the past. It's in the past. It's under the blood. It's under the blood. God doesn't even see it. He removes, the word says he removes your sins as far as the east is to the west. And you might go to him and say, God, remember that thing I did? And he said, no, I don't remember. Because you repented and it's been forgiven and it's under the blood. It's like a new baby. A new baby has not done anything wrong. They're innocent. You are innocent in the eyes of God. Amen? But we have to act on what we believe. From that first moment, I had to act and say, be my Lord, be my Savior. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. That was an act of faith. And it was something that I did, and I activated my faith in saying something about what I wanted God to do in my heart. See, he's a gentleman. And he has given you a will. And he's not going to come against your will. He's going to wait on you to will it. He's going to wait on you to want it. He's not going to force himself on you. We're not here to force him on you. We're here to present Jesus. We're here to present the anointing. We're here to present healing. We're here to present salvation. We're here to present abundance. It's up to you to stand up and say, I want it. I got to have it. I got to have it. I got to have it. How many of you got to have God in your life every day? I got to have it. I got to have him. I can't live a day without him. I can't live a day without his presence. I can't live a day without his word. I can't live without Jesus. Amen. If we're calling things into our life by faith, the enemy will come in in the middle of it. And he'll send distractions. He'll send discouragement. He'll try to derail your faith. What do you do in those times when you feel like your faith has been derailed? When you feel like 
All hell has broke loose. And you can feel the presence of the enemy. How many have ever felt the presence? Yeah. An attack. Trying to come your way. I just say you have no place. I'm going to tell you this morning, I had something come against me. Right before we got up on stage, I had my husband pray for me. I don't know what it was. It was the enemy was bombarding. I hadn't opened my mouth. I hadn't said anything. But he was standing there trying to keep me from speaking. He prayed over me, and I said, maybe I won't worship. He said, no, you got to worship. <laughs> worship is the key for your victory. I don't care if you're a singer or not. The word says, make a joyful noise. Get into his presence. Lift your voice and say something about how good your God is. It's not about how good you are. It's about how good he is. And all of a sudden, you'll find yourself in a different place in the presence of the Lord. And you'll sense the anointing. The anointing is here to break yokes. When I say yokes, there's bondages and things that are on people's lives that you need to be set free from. And all it takes is getting into his presence and saying, Lord, be Lord of my life. I repent. I need you now. I surrender. I surrender. Amen. Don't just cope. Overcome. Don't just cope with life. Be an overcomer. You're called to be an overcomer. You're called to be more, not just a conqueror. You're called to be more than a conqueror. How can we even think anything otherwise when we have the greater one on the inside of us? I did a teaching on the Holy Spirit recently on a Wednesday night, and man, the Lord just revealed some things to me about how Jesus did his part when he was here on earth. And we still worship him. We still honor him and magnify him. But he said right before he left, he said, it's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come because he's going to live on the inside of you. He's going to be your comforter, your strengthener, your guide, your advocate. He's going to be everything that I have been on the inside of you. How can we deny access, deny the power of the Holy Spirit by not acknowledging him and not giving him place in our life on a day-to-day -day basis and saying, Holy Spirit, help me. That's what he's there for. He's there to help us. The number one thing, he's there to comfort us. How many need comfort sometimes? We all do. How many need somebody to teach you something sometimes? I do. The other day, I couldn't remember where I put something, and I said, Holy Spirit, show me where I put that. And immediately, he took me to it. How many have done that over and over and over again, right? Isn't that wonderful to know that you have that on the inside? It's like, it's like a GPS, an inward GPS. Beep, 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 beep. Where is it at? Oh, there it is. And just kind of runs across your, oh, that's where it is. I know where it is. Ah, thank you. And the more you activate that, the more in tune you'll be with his voice. And the more in tune you'll be with his ways. So be encouraged. You've got your running shoes on. You're running your race today. Amen? We're running our race don't let your hands fall to the sides. Lift your, lift your weakened hands and straighten your feeble knees and stand up and say, I'm not done. 
devil, you're not going to have your way with me. I'm watching my words. I'm watching my ways. I'm watching my response. Your response will tell him whether or not you are a good prey. If you say, oh, I've got this problem, and this is the way it is, and it just happened because of this, and I did something stupid, or something happened to me, and this is just how it is. This is my lot in life. It doesn't have to be your lot in life. Jesus paid the price for everything. And what a slap in his face for us not to acknowledge the goodness and the freedom that we have because of the blood of Jesus. And it's not by works, lest any man should boast. It's all because of the grace and the mercy of God. Amen? It's the mercy and the grace of God. If you, if the enemy sees you inconsistent, he will keep you inconsistent. Rejoicing is a voice of consistency, of a consistent, victorious child of God. So we need to rejoice. Amen? Rejoice, and again I say rejoice. It's your way of escape. You know what it does when you start rejoicing after worship today? I just felt such a peace come over me. I just felt such a confidence and an assurity that God was holding me. And in that place, I was able to say, Lord, your peace is guarding my heart and my mind. I'm not even thinking about anything else at this point. See, there's power in his peace. The word says that his peace guards your heart. It's a garrison. It's a wall. So the enemy can't get in. So I would ask you, if the enemy is getting in, where's your peace? Where's that wall of peace? And the simple answer to that is get in his presence. In his presence. One more thing I want to tell you, and then, and then we're just going to stand and rejoice. I was reading Psalm 23. I, I quoted it to you. And uh, it says, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. That last part, my cup runneth over. And the Holy Spirit said, did you hear that? What? My cup runs over. Your cup runs over. I kept saying it over and over again. My cup runs over. My cup runs over. My cup runs over. How many want to have running over cups of God's goodness, the anointing, his grace, his mercy, his provision, his healing, his sustenance? My cup runs over. Can you say that? My cup runs over. My cup runs over. What a good thing to declare over your life. My cup runs over. It's running over with the anointing. It's running over with the grace. It's running over with his provision. It's running over with his love. It's running over with his joy. It's running over with his peace. Hallelujah. And it's running over with his forgiveness. We have nothing that's keeping us. There is nothing standing between me and God. Nothing. Just the blood. There's no sin. There's no unforgiveness. There's nothing that I've done in my past. He's forgiven it. His grace and his mercy has wiped it out. Praise God. And so we do what the word says. What is that scripture in Micah? It says to love, do 
do justly, no, what is it? Love mercy, yeah, do justly, love mercy, and walk, walk humbly. And that's what we do. We, we, we love mercy. We do justly to each other, towards each other. We love mercy. What is mercy? Is I'm offering something to you that you didn't even deserve, but I'm giving it to you because I love you. And I walk humbly before the Lord because he resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. And Lord, help us to keep our hearts down below our head, or below the head. Our heart has to be down. If the head is high, I question when people are calling themselves prophets and saying things and there's so much pride. I, there has to be a humble heart before the Lord so that we're receiving the ability from him and him alone. Amen? So is your cup running over today? My cup runs over. Hallelujah. Why don't you